Welcome to The Floor, fantasy and sci-fi lore. We are about to return to D&D and Baldur's Gate and all of that. So if you haven't heard The Forgotten Realms, The Wizard's Coast, if you haven't heard our earlier episodes, we have walked all the way from Baldur's Gate 1. In fact, we've even started with like the inspirations behind D&D, the concept, uh, war games transitioning into what D&D is. Talked about Persia. All of that. We have walked through all of the games made in the Baldur's Gate series. However, there was one version of the adventure. Well, sorry, not version. There was one piece of the adventure that was never turned into a video game in the series. And that is the descent into Avernus. The only way to play this final piece of the story from Baldur's Gate 2 all the way to Baldur's Gate 3 is in the tabletop. So we're going to take you through that story and through that lore. So if that is what you're looking for, this is the episode for you. If you're missing the back pieces, you want to go get them, grab them. It, probably the easiest way is on our website on the D&D Baldur's Gate page, and you can just go through all the episodes in order leading you up here. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing, so good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended, you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. So just to be clear, this is like a module you can go and buy and play with your friends. And this is the bridge between Baldur's Gate 2 and 3. This is that main story. And, and you can totally just go and buy this and play through with your friends. Yes. So it is intended as, as the, the bridge between Baldur's Gate 2 and 3. However, there were a bunch of smaller adventures, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, in, in this realm as well. But they are less connecting these pieces of the story. But we did cover them, so you can hit up those lore and story points as well. So, all right, Eli, give us kind of the summary here of our descent into Avernus. Um, so, Avernus is level one of Forgotten Realms Hell. Yes, the Nine Hells. Each one, yeah, yeah, just like Dante's Inferno. I don't feel prepped enough to give a good, real summary here. Well, we have covered Avernus and the Nine Hells in some of our earlier Baldur's Gate episode because this is not the first time our adventurers are dipping their toe into Avernus. During the Baldur's Gate uh, series in Baldur's Gate 2, we go into Avernus, right? That is part of your journey. 
in that's right in uh, the Lords of Hell. So I know that we covered in depth uh, at least Avernus and a little bit more on the Nine Hells there. So we won't cover all of that again here. I have read the entire story and adventure. There are some kind of spoiler pieces that I'm not going to get into as we set up the background pieces. I'm trying to set it up as though you were going to be playing the game and walking you through the story that way. So this isn't for the DM to know all the nooks and crannies. This is more to entice somebody to be like, this is something we can do. Or just be like, hey... I, I've only played the video games. I really like the video games, but I'd like all the lore connecting me from two to three, right? Yes. So, all right. So the adventure begins in Baldur's Gate, which is actually surprising because in all in all the others, you don't start at Baldur's Gate. You start somewhere else and make your way to Baldur's Gate. Yep. Right. But here we are starting in Baldur's Gate. This is the background that you know. So. There is a city called El Torel, and uh, we have a short that we just barely released on El Torel uh, to kind of set this up. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on El Torel. So the city of El Torel has been having some tension with Baldur's Gate. So the guild, so if we go back to Baldur's Gate 1, you deal with the Shadow Thieves. Uh, sorry, <laughs> you deal with the uh, Thieves Guild in Baldur's Gate. In Baldur's Gate 2, you deal with the Shadow Thieves of Arm. So in between now and then, these two organizations have clashed. There's been blood in the streets, lots of fighting, and eventually they come to a truce. And they merge organizations into a single organization called the Guild. And the Guild has slowly been taking over Baldur's Gate. They have used bribery. They have used drugs prostitution when that doesn't work they did blackmail and when all else fails assassination and replace you with someone who those things do work on right question real quick so when they're doing these things say like the the blackmail right how many blackmails does it take before prostitution happens like was there an exchange rate it's like five strikes and you're out or was it just like we do it once prostitution comes first and then you blackmail yeah so like you you offer the three, the three, the three pleasures, right? Drugs, uh, prostitution, and wealth. And if they don't take the, the 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 positives, then you move into the negatives, right? Blackmail. And if you don't go for blackmail, we just kill you and replace you with someone who will do what we want. Pretty cut and dry. Uh, so what is it? Uh, what's his name? Would always say um, the drug, the big drug lord from Colombia. Which one? Medellin. What's his name? The one they made the show about? Yeah. Pablo Picasso? Uh, Pablo Escobar. Escobar, yes. okay. Okay, yeah. So Escobar, he's like, he's like, you get the silver or you get the lead, right? You get the positive things we offer, and if you don't, we shoot you. Literally. You get the lead, right? Yeah. Nice, dude. Are you so, talking about how we should treat people if they don't listen to our podcast? Essentially, the guild has corrupted Baldur's Gate to its very core. One of the reasons so many adventures center on Baldur's Gate, and I know we covered this like way back, is that it sits along one of the biggest rivers in all of Faerun, right? Now, to understand the importance of a river, we need to talk logistics. If we go back to ancient times, a river could reduce the travel time from one destination to another, from anywhere to a third to a tenth 
depending on how far you're going and how fast the river's moving. <laughs> right? So you can move goods from A to B in one-tenth the time by going downriver. Not only that, but it is harder to attack a, a barge or a riverboat than it is a caravan, so you're spending less money on guards, less money on total time, right? The majority of almost all commerce costs is manpower, right? Whether even in our modern day, right, paying the truck driver to move your goods from A to B is probably one of the most expensive parts of the transportation process. And by reducing those times, you significantly increase your profits. So Baldur's Gate sits at the end of this huge river and it's a port town. So then they can put all those goods on ships to send across the entire Sword Coast. It is the trade central of Faerun because of its position. And that's why it is so big and so popular is because it's in this very key position. Well, once the guild has taken over all of Baldur's Gate, they begin to increase prices on all goods coming downriver. And they start stealing stuff coming downriver. Yeah. And in so doing, they begin to upset some of the other cities that are sending their goods through Baldur's Gate. One of the biggest cities that begins to uh, have tension with Baldur's Gate over these issues is El Terrell. Yeah. And as tensions begin to rise, the Grand Duke, who is the head of the Baldur's Gate government, goes to speak with the head of El Terrell to try and resolve some of these issues. Okay. So that event happens. Ten days later, people begin coming from El Terrell and the surrounding Eltergard Elter area, claiming that the city is gone. And so there are just refugees from everywhere coming, saying it's gone. Just one day disappeared, the whole city. And everyone in it. And everyone in it. So the Silver Flame, who are the guard of uh, Baldur's Gate, we covered them pretty in depth um, in earlier things. So I will just mention some of the transitions from the from the uh, Flaming Fist we meet. Sorry, not the Silver Flame, the Flaming Fist. So I thought you said that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so the Flaming Fist, you meet them in Baldur's Gate 1. You meet them in Baldur's Gate 2. You meet them in Baldur's Gate 3, right? This is the guard of the city of uh, Baldur's Gate. What's the difference between the two? The Silver Flame is a religious order in Eberron, and the Flaming Fist is the city guard of Baldur's it's Gate. It's like the same thing. One of the big things that has happened from Baldur's Gate 2 to 3 is that the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate currently is also the head of the Flaming Fist. So when he disappears, <sighs> not only is the leader of the political uh, environment of, of Baldur's Gate gone, the leader of the city guard is also gone, and it descends into chaos, right? With all the corruption that has happened into the city, most people consider the city guard little more than thugs. They enforce the laws, but pretty much any time anyone breaks any law in Baldur's Gate, the Flaming Fist just show up and beat everyone they see into a pulp. <laughs> right? like... That is what the, the city guard has become. It <laughs> would be like, he stole my goods. And the next thing, the thief and the shop owner are just bloody heaps on the ground. Be yeah. like, don't break the laws in our city. Yes. Like, this this is not great. Broadsword to take out a splinter. Yeah. yeah, it's limp. yeah. Just, well, it's more, you know, they just club everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that the case, a lot of people 
you know, are reluctant to report crime to the Flaming Fist because they know it's just a beatdown for everyone involved. Well, now that these uh, thugs no longer have a leader, they are just rampant. So as these refugees begin showing up, after the numbers start to get really big, they start to worry, do we have enough supplies in the city to feed this many people? They seal the gates. No one in, no one out. Oh. Among the refugees who have been coming into Baldur's Gate, there are some Hellrider Paladins. This is an important story in understanding everything that's kind of come half uh, in this adventure. And so we will go into the Hellrider Paladins after this break. All right. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And we wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. If this is going where I think it is, this is really cool. Like so this. she has the same powers that she gets from him, but she also has the powers of like a paladin or celestial being. So, but she has to constantly control him and keep him contained. Otherwise, he'll break out and destroy the universe. I feel like this is like like the righteous version of the warlock, right? Like a warlock makes a deal with a demon, but whereas these paladins, they like trap a demon. Yeah. And in so doing, gain their powers, but they also like have to deal with like constantly guarding the prison that they like carry garbage. on like a your jewel. Your lizard, nobody loves you. Yeah. yeah, just like a God. demon telling you you're awful and he'll yeah. you and, and it's like, you. this is the burden uh, and price of my paladin powers. I think that's so Welcome back. We are talking about Baldur's Gate, specifically the only game that was not a video game. So this is a tabletop run-through called Descent into Avernus. Uh, we find ourselves initially in... I forgot the name of the city already, Joe. Uh, Baldur's Gate. We start in Baldur's oh, Gate. Start. So the other city is Elton Ralph, <laughs> but we don't start there. What's <laughs> 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 the name of that city? The one I said <laughs> four <laughs> times? Oh. Yeah, so Baldur's Gate, you start there, and then there's another city, El Terrell, that is bullying Baldur's Gate. So Baldur's Gate is raising t tariffs and taxes on all goods moving through it, and the, the, the guild full of thieves is starting to steal some of the goods. So El Terrell's upset with Baldur's Gate. And because they share a border and they do in a lot of trade, the Grand Duke of Baldur's Gate wants to try and mend things with him. Be like, hey, we're going to try and make these changes. What would you be willing to do on your side? You know, different things like that. Well, and the uh, other city is super on board with all of this. Well, we don't know because the Grand Duke goes to talk to them, to smooth over relationships, negotiate, 
and that is when the city disappears. Baldur's Gate or no El Torrel. Oh, El Torrel. Baldur's Gate oh, remains. Thank goodness, because like there's but the leader, <laughs> the leader of Baldur's, Baldur's Gate, Gate is there when this happens. Yeah. Oh no! And the refugees start coming. You know, first the trickle, ten, twenty, then hundreds, then thousands showing up at Baldur's Gate. Being like, you until know, they're like, just lock the gates. Just lock the gates. Don't let anyone else. In. Like, so they're coming from the other city. They're coming from the surrounding area of the city because this the, the core of the city itself is gone. Oh, just poofed. Right? Yeah. So like, like imagine you're living at, just outside of a major city. Yep, I can do and that. It's just gone. And all the resources that you were using, all the trade you were doing there, it's just Everything. gone. It's just, it's just gone now. And you're like, uh, I, I'm not set up for this, so I have to leave and find another city where I can yeah. sell my trade in. Yes. Yeah. So there. So not only that, but I mean, you've got like the surrounding farms. But what do all those farms do? They take their food into the city to sell it. So now it's like, uh, where do we get food? That's where the food was. That is gone. (laughs) So, yeah, you get people showing up hungry and looking for people selling food. And then eventually the Flaming Fist is like, no more. We don't have enough food for everybody. No one else is getting it. So they start throwing some Flaming Fists. They do. And we're going to get to that. (laughs) Uh, the Hellrider Paladins are among the refugees. So let's talk about the story of the Hellrider Paladins. Okay? Yeah, who are these guys? The They were originally called the Riders of El Terrell, right? This was the military force of El Terrell, right? They would ride around enforcing the uh, greater will around the surrounding countryside. They were mounted, so they weren't in the city a lot. And then one day demons and devils began attacking villages near uh, El Torel and in, in the Eltergard area. And uh, an angel named Rhea Mantelmorn. So Rhea Mantelmorn is an angel who shows up at the headquarters of the riders of El Torel and requests their aid in fighting back the demons and devils. She knows the location of the portal that has opened, allowing these demons and devils into Faerun and she wants their help sealing the gate. So their plan is we will ride in, we will rescue our people, and then we will ride out and seal the gate uh, so that they can't keep raiding your lands. And just to be clear, is Faerun a nation or is it the continent? Faerun is a continent, yes. So in our, in our previous episodes, we talked about uh, uh, Abir Torel, which is the planet, we talked about the solar system. We talked about the galaxy, the universe, all of that. But uh, Faerun is the continent. Rhea Mantelmorn leads this band of riders into the portal to fight against the devils of Avernus and to rescue the captives and to slay the leaders who had uh, opened this portal initially. It goes amazingly. It goes super swimmingly and nothing bad happens then in the end. the riders... Uh, Rhea does not return with the riders. The riders claimed that they fought. They were unable to rescue anyone, uh, but they killed off the leaders of the devils, and then they seal the gate. And from that moment on, they were referred to as the Hell Riders because they rode into Avernus and then came out and sealed the gate. That's where they get the name. Okay. That's where they get the name. Now, this was a long time ago. It's now the name passed down. 
none of the current paladins were those who rode into hell. But that's where they developed the name the Hell Riders. That's and, where they get the name it the Hell Riders. On. Yes. I gotcha. The um, Flaming Fist, since these paladins have dealt with portals into other worlds and stuff like that before, they think they're involved. They're like, you guys are fishy, right? They don't trust them and they're trying to keep them out of the city. And this is where the adventuring party uh, enters in. So if you were playing the game, this is where you would start your character creation. And so you can either be someone who already lived in Baldur's Gate, or you could be some of the refugees coming into the city. Oh, you can be from Tyrell. So, El Tyrell. You wouldn't be, you would, you would be not in the city when it happened, but you could be from El Tyrell. Right. Uh, yes. and I so don't know be... if your DM's cool enough, they might let you be in the city and just like have so, a brain fog yes. or something. <laughs> well, like I said, you <laughs> could you could be a citizen of Baldur's Gate as well, right? So, okay. but either way, you are in the city of Baldur's Gate because the gates have been sealed. No one gets in. No one gets out. With all the refugees, with a lack of leadership, the city is descending into just absolute chaos, and the Flaming Fist can't maintain any order. What so, they're trying. There's bloody yes, people there's, every day. Right. So they grab uh, you and many others. They force you to your knees and they put a sword to your throat and they tell you you can serve the flaming fist or you can die here. And so most people who start the game in the campaign pick death. Pick death. Yes, you pick death. And, and that's <laughs> it. That's the whole story of uh, the descent into Avernus. <laughs> pick death. All right. So this is... So what the Flaming Fist are doing is what is referred to as a press gang. Some of the oldest writings around press gangs we have start in 1664. So I'm talking real history now, like this idea yep. of uh, a military group grabbing somebody and forcing them into service, right? Where it's not technically slavery. You are paid to work like anyone else, but you are also forced to take the job. Non-consensual. Non-consensual. Now, all historical records and documentation of press gangs involve sailing. It was started by the British Navy, uh, and the reason this would work so well was so well with sailing is once you were forced onto the ship and it had set sail, you couldn't leave. It's like either you work and you get food, or you don't work and you starve, and we'll probably just throw you overboard, right? And so. That is what made the press gang effective uh, during this time period is because you were trapped on the ocean. And we never see press gangs on land because people could just be like, well, I'll just run away, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas on a ship, you can't really do that. Now, there are, of course, cases where societies were enslaved and then slave units of soldiers were created and sent into battle. But... That was those were often maintained order by the slavers owning and controlling the families back home. So once again, mm. the people knew that there was a possibility the families could be hurt, killed, uh, or they could just you know if you did your service, you would get to go back to your family. I'd go fight in my war, or I kill your family. So while those that was that was uh, a form of slavery as opposed to a press gang, you know, it definitely follows within that same line of kind of forcing people into that. And that's how you start this campaign. Yes, being forced. So again, this is a press gang. They're not enslaved. So the best you. way to play this game 
is to grab all your siblings and your friends and force them to play D and D with you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what they're they're getting at with the press gang here. Press them into submission. That is uh, where we will end our first uh, step into Avernus. You are forced uh, to serve the Flaming Fists, and they're going to send you on a mission to deal with some of the chaos that is happening in Baldur's Gate. All right. So here is our treasure from question. It's a little dark. If you could, if you could use the tools and techniques of the press gang and force people to do something for you, what would it be? You have a gang of hobgoblins, but the only thing they will do for you is force people into a press gang. <laughs> so, like, you're like, hey, go help that old lady. And they're like, nah, dude. So, what is the order you give your, your, your gang Actually, of goblins? Actually, you know what? I, uh, yeah. I think I've got a better one. Oof. We'll, we'll, we'll probably discuss both. But So, the Hellriders are an order of paladins, and we have that story. What is either your favorite order of paladin? Or what is like something you've dreamed up or imagined as an order of paladin and that origin story? Let's discuss that in the treasure room too. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Feel free to write in if there's something you think we missed, we got wrong, or just about a universe you're interested in. Now, if you just want to dive into the catalog that is available wherever you get the podcast. However, a lot of our listeners are interested in specific worlds and specific lore. And the best way to get exactly what you're looking for is actually on our Patreon page. There's a few features there that can really just help you find exactly what you're looking for. So one is tags. I have a friend who, he loves D&D, he loves Eberron, but his favorite thing of all is House Caneth. And we've got a ton of episodes on that. And so on the Patreon site, he can just type in Caneth and all our episodes on House Caneth will come up. Or Eberron and all of Eberron come up. So we have covered things from uh, D&D, Faerun, Eberron, Cyberpunk, the Monsterverse, Kaiju, if you like your giant monsters... The Xenoverse, Witcher, Marvel, DC. So if you're looking for a specific world, uh, we've even got Dune in there. You can uh, use the Patreon, the tags, and the collections to find the exact world you're looking for. For some people, this is the lore they're looking for. And for other people, maybe they've stumbled onto uh, a universe they've never really encountered before and they're just loving it, but none of their friends are into it yet. And they just don't have anyone to talk about it with. And the floor is a perfect place to just be able to join a conversation on this topic. And we are always happy to get emails when you write in. And as we get more and more of these, we will start releasing listener mail from these diverse topics so that you can join this conversation. That is patreon.com backslash floor fantasy and lore. And we have a link in every set of show notes. So it should be easy to find and uh, hope you find what you're looking for and you enjoy what you find.